welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are finishing up an amazing series that I've absolutely loved, where we've called it Greater, but we've been focusing on a greater presence of God. And we've been asking that we as a church and as individuals would be more aware of His presence, we would embrace His presence more, we would expect His presence. And I know that uh, it has been happening in our church services, and uh, there's just been a, a different dynamic that's been happening in our church as we've been saying, God, we, we want your presence in a stronger and greater way. And uh, as we've done this, uh, it, it just occurs to me, it's, it's the difference between talking about God's presence and jumping on into it. And uh, I, I could think of like, you know, you could talk about a lake, but how many know you can talk about a lake and learn about a lake and think about a lake, but it's a whole different experience if you jump in the lake. Big difference. And so we have said, God, we want to jump into your presence. We want to be immersed. We want to be covered. We want to be soaking in this. And uh, we are thanking God for a greater presence on our church. I believe it's the theme for our year, a greater presence of God. Now, I can only rewind for just a minute um, because we're going to close out our services with a time of praise and worship. And uh, I want to make sure that we have that time just to close out this series with a time uh, in God's presence, worshiping and saying, God, again, pour out your spirit on us, pour out your presence upon us. But if I could rewind for just a moment, and I just, it's so critical that we fully understand this, that in the Old Testament, the presence of God was very limited was very limited in its outpouring. The presence of God has always been strong. The presence of God has always been unlimited. But the presence of God in the Old Testament times before Jesus Christ was very limited in its outpouring. And the anointing and that presence that would come upon a person was limited to the prophet, the priest, and the king. Um, I know that there are probably some people last week when I shared, I said, you get to carry the presence of God because you are a priest. And I'm sure there are a bunch of you going, I'm not so sure about that. I, I know there were. I had people like looking at me like, is that correct? But it is. You are a priest carrying the presence of God. And we thank God that he now pours out his presence. Now, in the Old Testament, it was only on the prophet, priest, and king. It was also symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant that was kept in the Holy of Holies. All right, that's very important that we keep that and that I keep saying that each week so you understand that it was limited on certain people and to a place. Now, God, by his spirit, was starting to tell the prophets, though, that there's a day coming. There's a day coming when God is gonna pour out his spirit on all people. 
And people would start to get a glimpse of this. They didn't know it. They couldn't understand it. They were trying to really make sense of this. Like, wait a minute, God's going to pour out his presence. He does it on the prophet, priest, and king. It's, it's in the Holy of Holies. It's, it's at the temple, but it's not on us. We're just regular people. And so God was giving a glimpse of this. And to the prophet Joel, he gave this glimpse. And it's in Joel chapter 2. Verse 28 and 29, Joel is prophesying and he's saying, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so this, this overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit is being promised and being prophesied by these different prophets. They're saying, it's gonna happen. Everyone is gonna be able to experience this. There's no age limit. It's young and old. There's, there's no gender qualification. It's men and women. The presence of God is gonna be poured out. And you can imagine people thinking, seriously, on all people, this is gonna happen? And there was a, an anticipation like, how will this happen? When will this happen? How is this going to be that the rest of us could experience what just this select group of people are going to experience or they have been experiencing? So what was happening in this, this outpouring that Joel was prophesying about actually takes place, and we have the record of it in the book of Acts. Now, I want to set the scene here of what was going on in Acts chapter 2. We have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where all of a sudden now the presence of the Holy Spirit can be poured out on all people. We can all experience this anointing that the prophet, priest, and king could experience. And so just to put this in uh, context of what was going on, there was the Feast of Pentecost. And how many know that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are a lot of feasts? There are a lot of holidays. There are a lot of rituals and a lot of things going on. And uh, God is not opposed to celebrating, okay? We could see that throughout the Old Testament all the time. Well, on this, this was the Feast of Pentecost. It was a celebration that was going on. It was 50 days after Passover, and they would get together to celebrate the harvest of wheat. And it was basically a, a national holiday. It was a national holiday and they would all uh, stop work and they would travel to Jerusalem and they would celebrate together in Jerusalem uh, this celebration of Pentecost. Now there's all sorts of people from all sorts of uh, different countries there and uh, they're celebrating this. And in the book of Acts, we know that Jesus has died on the cross. We know that he's risen from the dead and he's told his followers to wait until the spirits poured out. He's telling them to wait for power from on high. There's going to be a power that is going to be poured out on them, and they don't exactly know what's going to happen. They haven't connected all the dots, but there's an eager anticipation. And I believe this. I believe if you ever have a chance to go to Jerusalem, you'll see the Temple Mount. I believe that uh, the believers were gathered there at the temple in one of the side rooms of the temple. There were all these uh, side rooms where they could gather. And I believe the believers were just all there waiting at the place where they thought, all right, we're just going to wait here and uh, wait for God to pour out whatever he's going to pour out, wait for this power. And so they're there with all the other people, but they're in a little side room 
praying. And I believe that when the Holy Spirit is poured out on them in that moment, they were able to walk right out of the temple area, right onto the steps and where the baptismal uh, tanks were, and all the people would be getting cleaned up to go into the temple. And that's where Peter was able to walk out and preach and tell all these people that were there, all these people that would be gathering from all the different countries. Okay, so this scenario is going on. They're up there, they're praying. And the Bible tells us that the presence of God uh, fills the place and it fills the room where they're at. In Acts chapter two, this is what it says. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Just for a moment there, that word house was also used for gathering place of a church. Okay, or for the people of worship. So he said they filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So all of a sudden we have this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all these people in a way that had never been seen before in a way that had never been seen before. They're waiting for power, and all of a sudden there's a power, a shaking of the room. There's an outpouring of this, and and God's presence shows up in an amazing way. Now, let me back up just a moment. Prior to this, on the day that Jesus died on the cross, how many know the Ark of the Covenant is in the Holy of Holies? It's separated by a curtain, and we know from the gospel accounts that God tore that curtain in half. And he basically was saying, my presence has left the building. My presence has left the building. And he was saying, it's no longer going to be in a place at an altar. I'm going to pour out my presence on people, all people, everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord. It's the opportunity now to be a carrier of the presence of the Holy Spirit, to have this baptism in the Holy Spirit, and to be able to have this power from on high absolutely amazing. And, and this is just an incredible moment that is happening. And they're overwhelmed with the presence of God. And I will tell you this, when we're dealing with the presence of God, you can be overwhelmed with the presence of God. I can remember uh, in this series, I was sharing about an atheist that was here in church. And she said, I don't even know I come into the presence of God, or she didn't really know how to say it that way. But she says, I cry in your church. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I feel something in your church. It's the presence of God. And you can get emotional in the presence of God. And so the disciples apparently were getting very emotional in the presence of God because they are speaking in other tongues. They're so excited and empowered with what's going on that everybody else thinks they're drunk. Okay? Now, it's interesting. Most churches today would not be accused of being drunk with power. Most churches would be accused of having a very bad hangover. Okay? You caught that. Some of you did. <laughs> These guys are full of power, and there's something going on. There's a joy. There's an a, a overflowing presence of God that's so strong that Peter has to explain. Guys, this is, he said, just hang on, guys. We're not drunk. And in uh, verse 14, it says, Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. We're not drinking. It's only nine in the morning. He says, no, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel that I just read to you. 
He said, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dream. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So these gifts of power were now given to the church. This presence of the Holy Spirit was increased and it was released upon all believers that every single one of us could have this this power on us, in us, flowing through us, and our churches could be aware of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I love what one minister said. He said, "The, the presence of God was still there in the Old Testament times. It was like a river flowing through. It was a river and people benefited from the river, but it was as if God was building a hydroelectric dam that was going to be released on Pentecost. And there's still the flow of the river. If you know anything about a hydroelectric dam, and I've seen many of them, uh, there's, there's still a flow of the river, but now there's like all these kilowatts of power that are being generated and released upon the countryside. And it's almost as if God said, in this moment, it's completed. This is the ability for more power to join up with what has always been going on in the flow of the Spirit. Now you've got 10 billion kilowatts, gigawatts, gigawatt, whatever. You got it all going on. Does that make sense? That make, I, I love this. I'm, I'm getting certain feedback from some of the people at Apple Valley that are just like, come on, Pastor. Yeah, yeah. And there's other of you that just like, like, It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) This power is available. This power is for you. We we teach a whole thing here on the uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. We have Holy Spirit retreats. I think we have a slide that gives the locations and dates for our campuses. They're coming up. You might want to save the date on these. And uh, it's it's the Holy Spirit retreat. And uh, if not, your campus will be able to tell you when it's coming. Uh, But there's the Holy Spirit retreats coming at all of our campuses. I want to let you know that this power, this opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is available for you to have a greater presence of God. You can have a river. You can have just a river or you can have a hydroelectric dam releasing power on you and opening you up to gifts of power that help you advance the cause of Christ. The Bible tells us when you receive this power, it says uh, in Acts 1.8, it says you receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the word for power is dunamis. It's like a dynamite power. It's saying, guess what? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's going to be a dynamite power that will be available to you. And the presence of God is now on you, in you, flowing through you. And there's a greater manifest presence of God that wants to flow and work in your life. It's an amazing thing that we have this ability as far as Jesus Christ to flow in this power. Now, you could go to Holy Spirit Retreat, or I want to say this. If you're ready, you're like, man, I just want to pray with somebody. At the end of service, grab a prayer team member. Go to your life group this week. Pray with them. Grab a pastor this week. We believe this is for today. This is real. This is natural. This is supernatural. This is normal. This is something the church should be experiencing. And I just believe that so many times we want to limit what the Holy Spirit wants to do and the Holy Spirit saying, I want to do more. I want to bring a presence and a power everywhere you go. I just think it's amazing. I just, you are carrying with you the power and presence of God that was in the ark. That's just amazing to me. 
You are, and, and so many Christians act like just so defeated, so weak, so lame. And it is the presence of God. Matter of fact, I don't have time to go there, but in Ephesians chapter one, the apostle Paul's saying, I want you to understand the power of God that is at work in you. Do you wonder, like he was telling the church at Ephesus, like you guys aren't getting it. Do you know what power is in you? The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that seated him at the right hand of the father. The that's the power at work in you. We are carrying the presence of God and we ought to expect more in our daily life. We ought to expect more. We ought to be realizing the power of God that is at work in us. He's no longer pouring out his presence on a temple or on an ark, but it's on you. On you and I, it's an absolutely amazing thing. And um, you can be ready for the presence of God to, to manifest in a special way. Um, how many know that you might be facing something and you pray like, Lord, I'm going into this and I want to make sure that, you know, if you want to show up in a special way, uh, please do. You know, we do that with uh, worship nights and, and church services and prayer meetings. And um, maybe you're going into a, a spiritual battle. I remember one year I was going to Mardi Gras to street witness. And I was like, God, just show up in a mighty way. I was ready, like, you know, kind of like ready position, you know, for whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. But how many know the Holy Spirit may want to do something even when you're not ready, okay? And the best thing I could point out, I, I saw this in a, a book called Hosting the Presence by Bill Johnson. And if you want more uh, than what we've talked about in this series, great book, highly recommend it. He talks about in Luke 8, the woman with the issue of blood. And he talks about this lady has, has got an issue of blood. For 12 years, she's trying to find healing. She can't find any healing. The doctors can't help her. Nobody can help her. And so she thinks, if I can just touch Jesus, I'm going to get healed. If I can just touch Jesus, I think he's the, the son of God. I think he's the one. If I can touch him, I'm going to get healed. And so we know that Jesus is in a big crowd. He is simply walking from where he is to another place to do a miracle. He's focusing on that miracle up ahead. And while he's focusing on that miracle, getting ready to go there, uh, this woman gets through the crowd and touches him. And Jesus, who touched me? And they're like, well, there's a bunch of people that are you know, all around you. Everybody's touching you. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand this. Who touched me? After, I want to read what it says in Luke 8, verse 45. It says, Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, it's pretty obvious. There's a bunch of people. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Listen, he's like, I was prepping for the Holy Spirit to do something in this guy's house, and the Holy Spirit just did something while I wasn't expecting it. How'd you like that? You're just at Perkins, pick a restaurant, Ruby Tuesdays, doesn't matter. And all of a sudden, somebody bumps up to you, presence of God, feel, you're like, somebody's like, I just got healed. What happened? And you're like, I was just ordering pancakes, that's all. And, <laughs> God's presence showed up in a special way. I mean, I don't, do you see that? Jesus is like, I wasn't even planning for this moment and the Holy Spirit's ready to do more and, and float. Now, the only other thing I'll say on this and I, I gotta move on is um, Jesus wasn't drained of power. Jesus just felt an activation of power. You're never depleting the presence of God. Does that make sense? Somebody need it. You're never, it's not like Jesus is like, oh, who took I was going to give it to that guy, and now she snuck in a miracle. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was 
the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, like something just happened, supernatural. I wasn't even, I wasn't even expecting it. And, and I just want to point this out. The presence of God never is drained. You know, at my house, when the air conditioning kicks out, I kind of, you know, you can tell it's kicking on. That never happens with God. There's more power, more power, more power. All right. It's just that he's moving and you're aware of it, but it's not like we're depleting the presence of God whenever something like that happens. All right. Two things as we flow in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about these and then I'll close quickly and we'll get into worship. Um, two things we can do to hurt the flow of the Spirit. Two things. Um, the first thing is we can grieve the Holy Spirit and the second thing is we can quench the Holy Spirit. And we're told explicitly in the scriptures not to do that. In Ephesians 4.30, the Apostle Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And what does he mean? He says, I don't want you to make the Holy Spirit sad. I don't want you to affect him with sadness. I don't want you to cause grief to the Holy Spirit. I do not want you to offend the Holy Spirit. And I want to let you know that all around that verse, from verse 20 to verse 32, the Apostle Paul is giving all sorts of things that you can do that grieve the Holy Spirit. And you grieve the Holy Spirit with ungodly character. He gives a whole list, anger, uh, jealousy. He gives a whole list of them right there. And he says, when you do those things, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Now understand, the Holy Spirit is working with you, which just blows my mind. The presence of God is now in me, on me, working through me. He's holy, I'm not. And he's helping me to be formed into his image. It's an amazing thing going on, okay? And I can do things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Now imagine this. The Holy Spirit is working in me to form me into the image of God. Track with me. You got to track with me. He's, he's forming me into the image of God, and I can do things that he's working away, and all of a sudden I do something, he goes, we don't talk like that. We don't tell jokes like that. You know what I'm talking about. You can say something a little off color. You want to, maybe you should do it. And the Holy Spirit's going, don't, 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 don't do it. Don't say it. Don't, 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 don't repeat that. And then you repeat it and the Holy Spirit just goes, we don't talk like that. We don't talk like that. And now, instead of forming you into his image, he steps back and just brings conviction. He's like, repent of that. Change, you grieved me. And he steps back and says, I need you to, I need you to repent of that. I'm convicting you now. That don't do that. Anymore. You see what I'm saying? And so it's an amazing thing that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want him to continue to work on us and in us and through us. And the other thing is this. We can quench the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. How clear can that be? Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, the definition of this means to extinguish, to suppress, to stifle the divine influence. And I'll give you two things just real quick. Um, when we quench the Holy Spirit, it's like the, the example is like clinching a hose. There's a flow that God wants in your life and you just go, nope, nope, I'm not gonna do that. The Holy Spirit says, why don't you pray for that person right now at your workplace? Nope, not going to happen here. How many know you can quench the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit goes, go over there and pray for that person right now. Nope, not going to happen. Go on a global team. Nope, not this year. And he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. When the presence of God is working on you and in you and through you, do not 
quench and kink off what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He says, that's not the way you need to live as a follower. You're going to flow with the presence of God. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about extinguishing. And again, same thing. I have a little fire extinguisher here because men love object lessons. <laughs> Ladies do too, but men really do. Man, here's what we do. We're like, okay, Holy Spirit says, you know, again, pray for that person. Psh, no, don't worry. I won't pray you. <laughs> This is a series, yeah, I've done a lot of them where the other campuses are like, thank God for video, all right. I don't think I can spray this, but anyways. We say, nope, not gonna do that. Shh, spray that out. Nope, nope, Holy Spirit, Shh, nope, nope, nope. We're not gonna do that. No, I'm not. And we, we extinguish what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I believe God wants us to give and serve and go and pray and speak up and have passion and worship. Matter of fact, that's what a lot of us do. I'm not raising my hands. No. I'm going to extinguish and I'm going to quench what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's go for it in worship. Let's have a heart of praise. Let's have greater obedience. Let's have greater discernment. Let's be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's have a greater intimacy with God. Let's not quench the Holy Spirit because in our services, we can quench the Holy Spirit and we don't want to do that. We want to say, Holy Spirit, flow, work, do miracles. Man, just pour out your presence. And we desire a greater presence of God in our lives, in our church, and just in this world. So Lord, I just pray that we would help uh, and live, live in a way that says, I don't want to grieve you. Our character and our conduct would be holy. We would not grieve and quench you and shut you down, but we'd say, we desire for a greater flow of the presence of God in our life. I pray that many people in our church would understand that there's a greater presence of, of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God on us, in us, and working through us so we can reach more people in this world. You desire that. You desire. It's your presence we seek. It's your presence we desire so that we can be changed, be formed into your image, and then take what we have into this world that so desperately needs you. God, I pray that our church would be filled with power. I pray that our church would be overflowing with power. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we pray, God, for a greater presence in our service. Now, as we worship you at all of our campuses, God, pour out your presence. Give us a special touch. Minister to each individual person, to thousands of people. Minister individually and pour out your presence in a greater way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.